Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Tonight we're going to talk about the wife's relationship with her husband. This is the, the theme verse that we've chosen. This is applicable, I believe, for every family relationship in the home. As Jacob talked about in the first study, uh, unless we uh, build our house, build our relationships under God, and He is the foundation, it will all be in vain. And so tonight we're going to talk about the wife. And I want to give you a few disclaimers uh, before we get into that. Uh, number one, I am not a wife. All of you know that. Uh, it's very uh, easy to know. Um, and so when we're talking about application tonight, I'm not going to give you any personal application from my standpoint because I am not a wife. But as Jacob talked about, you know, it really doesn't matter what I think or what you think. What matters is what God has to say about this. And we're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight. And I believe you will be uplifted and encouraged by doing so as I have. Um, and so whenever I address this topic tonight, I'm going to use the word you a lot. And that's because I cannot use the word I because I am not a wife. So I just want you to know ahead of time, it's nothing personal towards you. Um, it's just that's how uh, I'm going to present the topic. And so when we think about the home, before you uh, design a house, you have to have a blueprint for that house, don't you? Uh, I've never built a house before. I know my, my parents have, many of you may have. But before you design a house, you have to have the structure, you have to have all these things laid out ready for the house. And so if we're thinking about the house, we're thinking about all the different rooms that are in the house. We think about, you know, the living room. We think about different uh, bedrooms. We think about uh, bathrooms, that type of thing. And so what we're doing tonight is we're looking at this house and we're looking more focused. We're focusing more uh, importantly tonight on the wife and her relationship. And the wife spends a lot of time in her house. A wife may spend a lot of time outside the house. So we're going to focus specifically tonight on the wife. We will look at the role of the wife tonight. As Jacob uh, showed uh, the first study, uh, under the house, uh, we have the husband, we have the wife, we have the parents, children that we're talking about. And all of it connects to the church family, as Joel will present in the last topic. Uh, but we're going to focus in on the wife. In Genesis chapter 2, and verse number 18, Genesis chapter 2, and verse number 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man, that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. The King James says, I will, help, uh, I will make and help meet for him. And so what we're talking about is God's design for women. God's design for the wife. And I want you to know that God places an interest in your family relationships, in your marital relationships. From the very beginning of time, God created man. And he saw that Adam was alone and he needed help. And I think all of us men could stand up and say, thank you, God, for giving us help. Because we need help. And so God created woman and man for each other, helping each other. And so God places an interest in every one of our family relationships. And it shows that from the very beginning of time. From the sixth day, God created man and woman. And so tonight, once again, we're going to focus on the woman. In Proverbs chapter 31, uh, by the way, the, the verses we'll read tonight should all be in the New King James. But Proverbs 31 
And verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her price is far above rubies. Uh, rubies, pardon me. Uh, Keegan talked about this, uh, or mentioned it uh, in his reading. And this is a passage most of us are probably familiar with. I do find it interesting that in the New King James, it mentions virtuous wife and not virtuous woman. And if you look in the New, uh, New Testament, as well in this passage, it does talk about the woman and her responsibilities as a mother. But before that, it even goes into that. It talks about her duties towards her husband. And I find that very interesting. And I believe the reason for that is because if the husband wife relationship is to suffer, that can ultimately uh, fall into category in the other relationships in the home. And so it's very important that wives truly do uh, serve their husbands, truly do help their husbands. And I do think it's worth mentioning the context of this chapter. Most of us think about this is, you know, uh, following after these things to be a godly wife, to be a godly woman. And that's certainly the case. But if you look back to the first verse of this chapter, um, I don't want to mispronounce it, but I be, believe it's a King Lemuch, Lemuch uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it is a king, and it's his mother talking to him, saying, who can find a precious wife like this? Who can find a virtuous woman? And so that is the context. Many people believe that king uh, is King Solomon as he wrote uh, the Proverbs. Uh, but regardless, this is something that us husbands need to be looking for in helping our wives in because that's the context of the passage. However, I believe there's a lot we can learn from that. Now, thinking about this word virtuous, what does that word mean? You know, when we think about virtue, we think about a woman of excellence, a woman of excellence. Uh, that word literally means, and if you go from uh, some passages that mention virtue, sometimes uh, the translation will be excellence. And when it's talking about excellence, if you look up that word, uh, it's going to refer to uh, soldiers, an army of soldiers. Now, I find that interesting uh, because a lot of times we might think of that towards men as an army of soldiers. But when it's talking about an army of soldiers, it's talking about a woman that is virtuous, that is strong, that is strong in the faith, like a soldier is strong in battle. And that's what we're talking about tonight is a woman of virtue, a strong woman. And I want to tell you tonight, I don't think we talk about women enough. You know, we talk about men quite a bit and, and from time to time we talk about women. But I want to tell you that if you are a virtuous wife here today, you are valuable. You are so valuable. You are more valuable than rubies. You know, we think about all the different uh, women in the world today, even in the church. You think about all these different women's uh, different women that are uh, equated. Let's just say that are that are different types of rocks. And it says here that the virtuous woman is more valuable than a ruby. And you think about a ruby and how precious that is. And if we are husbands that have a virtuous wife, we should treasure our wife as it is our ruby. It's our treasure. And women, when we're speaking to you tonight, it's up to you to be that ruby to your husband, to help your husband. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I want you to notice in this passage, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number four, it says an excellent wife, once again, virtue, excellent, is the crown of her husband. But she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. 
Now we see here two polar opposite statements. Two polar opposites. And, and a lot of times, if you go through uh, Psalms and Proverbs, um, it shows the two opposite ends. And this is definitely no different. And so let's apply Proverbs chapter 31, what we just read to this. A virtuous wife, an excellent wife, is the crown of her husband. What does that mean? It's a wife that is involved in her husband's life. It's a wife that is serving God. And we think about the crown. When, when someone has a crown, a king has a crown, what does he do with that crown? He wears the crown. He goes all the places with that crown. He, he, he shows that he is king. He has that crown. And so should the wife be to her husband. If the wife is a virtuous wife, an excellent wife that is helping her husband, it will be a crown to him. He won't be afraid to talk about his wife wherever he goes because it is his jewel. It is his wife. And they are an inseparable team like Lainey talked about. However, we see on the opposite end of the spectrum. But she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bone. A wife who is constantly not fulfilling her role can cause her husband to decay. It can ruin their relationship. So I want to ask you tonight, which wife are you? As you think about the two options, the virtuous wife or the shameful wife. You know, as, as we think about the virtuous woman, I think all of us would would agree that really no one can can live up to that standard every single day. It's just not possible. It's just not possible. We are human beings. But what we're talking about tonight is not something that you will uh Never or something that you'll be perfect at. We're going to talk about something that is that that comes out of habit, something that is a daily choice in serving one another, in particular, the wife serving her husband. And I have four different points that I want to talk about tonight. Uh, the first one will be submission. Uh, the second one will be support. And the third one will be service. So I want to start tonight with looking at submission in Colossians chapter three and verse number 18. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 18, it says, Wives, submit your, uh, to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. The King James says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And so this idea of submission, most of us in this room are probably familiar with that wives are to submit to their husbands, right? That's, that's just something that generally is taught that we understand, right? What does Ephesians say? Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 through 24, it says, Wives, submit yours to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And so we see in this context, it's talking a lot about the husband and loving his wife. But we also see that on the opposite end, just as important is wives to submit themselves to the husband. And we also see in verse number uh, 33, it says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I think a lot of times we approach our relationships with a reaction and not a proaction or being proactive. Let me explain. A lot of times when you might talk to someone who's married, they'll say, well, I'm going to submit to my husband or I'm going to love my wife if they submit to me or if they love me. But that has never been the attitude that we are told to have. 
So if you're a husband, focus on loving your wife. Don't focus on her submitting to you. And if you're a wife, focus on submitting to your husband. Don't focus on him loving you. Now, both of these are important in bring the relationship together. But it's important that we each fulfill our role in the relationship and not be reactive, but be proactive. And we also see in verse number 33, this idea of respect. And that word uh, means reverence or fear, fearing your husband. Uh, I mentioned this before, but uh, prior to Michaela and I getting married, we had the uh, blessing of, of studying the love and respect series. And most of you are probably familiar with that, how a husband is to show uh, love to his wife and a wife is to show respect under her husband. And the reason for these is if you look in Scripture, it is a biblical concept. But if you also look at the mind of a man and the mind of a woman, that's what they crave. I mean, that's what they want every day. <laughs> And so if these are not being fulfilled, if these are not happening, then your relationship with your spouse is going to suffer. And you'll see that. Does that mean I'm going to um, love my wife every single day uh, and show that love to its perfection? No. And it's going to be hard to submit sometimes. But I want to tell you that you will see the blessings and you will see the godly relationship that God has in store for you if you are willing to submit and you are willing to respect your husband. And I think sometimes that we have this negative concept, at least the world does, of submission. You'll hear different people say, well, how dare God say that a man or that a woman should submit to a man? How dare it? Because we have this miscued view of what submission is. So I want to look at what submission is not uh, first. I have this timeline here on one end of the spectrum. I want to tell you what submission is not. Submission is not you being inferior. It doesn't mean that you're inferior. If that was the case, then everyone that submits to anyone is inferior. It also does not mean that you're insignificant. Sometimes when we think about someone submitting to someone, we think about them being on their knees and begging and calling this person Lord and, and doing these different types of things where it elevates the, the person they're serving and demotes themselves where they become insignificant. But I would say that is not what submission is. That has never been what submission is. Yes, it is a call to being servants, but that's not what it means to be insignificant. That's not what it's talking about. But I would tell you on the other end of the spectrum, it's also not being the leader. Many women today, sadly, want to replace their husbands. They're not content with the situation they're in in life. They're not content with what God has called them to be. And so they want to replace their husband and then be the leader. But that's not what God has called all of us to be. I believe there's a passage that demonstrates this perfectly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3, it says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. I want to look at this passage here to illustrate what submission does look like. We read here at the end, And the head of Christ is who? Is God. The head of Christ is God. Does that mean it's Christ's literal head? No. Spiritual head. Figuratively. And so are we going to say that Christ is inferior? Are we going to say that Christ is insignificant? Of course not. But God is the head of Christ. We also see, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Is man insignificant? Is man inferior? 
Does man just not matter? No. But Christ is the head of man. And we also see that Christ is the head of the church. And the church is not insignificant either. Christ died for the church. He gave himself to us. We also see, finally, and the head of woman is man. So therefore, we see man is the head of woman. I think as we look at the different roles, as we look at God, as we look at Christ, as we look at man, as we look at woman, we can see and illustrate this picture that God intended for us to see of what submission looks like. It does not mean you're inferior. It means that you're obeying. It's, it's, uh, we all submit ourselves to Christ as the church. I believe that's a beautiful picture. And a lot of times what uh, is compared to in marriage. So we are to submit ourselves to Christ as the head of the church. So are women to submit themselves to men, to their husbands. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse number 1, it says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Sometimes we think that submission is conditional. I don't say it's not conditional. It doesn't say that. In fact, if your husband is not a godly husband, what does it say to you? It says to submit. Well, why in the world Christ submits to an ungodly husband? Now, that does not mean we are to forsake Christ. We are to uh, disobey Jesus and his commands. That's not what it's talking about here. But by that act of submission, by humbling yourself, you can bring your husband to Christ. And that's an amazing thing. That's a, that's a huge impact. That submission has. That a lot of times we don't want to think about. But I want to tell you that submission is not conditional. So if you're a wife here tonight, know that you can, you can submit to your husband and that their conduct, by your conduct showing to them, can change. That they can come to Jesus and be the godly man that God called them to be. And so what we need to do ultimately is, yes, encourage one another in our roles, but focus on our own roles. Husband, love your wife. Wives, submit to your husband. And if we're going to do that, I'm going to tell you, there are blessings that you will see and that will help you in your relationship with your spouse. What about support? Supporting our spouse. A while back, um, James Ludeke had given a sermon. Uh, I don't remember the title of the sermon, but he basically demonstrated how all of us have a role in the family unit, in the family team. He talked about how the husband or the parent is the head coach. He also talked about how the wife is the assistant coach, or the mother, and then the children are the players. I want to tell you that each one of these has a role. And if you take one of them out, it makes it so much more difficult. It's something that God did not intend. But I believe that the wife being the assistant coach is a huge support system for her husband. If I did not have Michaela as my support, it's going to make my job a whole lot more difficult. To be the head coach. And you think about a, a team. You think about a baseball team, a football team. It works together. If the team is good and successful, those coaches, those players, that team unit works together. And I want to tell you, it all works together in the home. And so when we're talking about support, I believe that's one way to demonstrate this idea of the family team and being the assistant coach. For the head coach.
In Proverbs 31 and verses 11 through 12, Proverbs 31 verses 11 through 12, it says, The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Sadly, there's a lot of women out there that are going to go to other women and complain about their husband. Now, I think it's, it's good to uh, have a support system outside of marriage. You know, if you're, if you're a guy to have a support system with the guys, if you're a woman to have a support system with the ladies, I think that's good. But what does it say here? It says that she does him good. She does not do him bad. She supports him. She supports him. She is a support system. She does not do evil all the days of her life. An evil woman, an evil wife is not a support to her husband. She is a stumbling block. And the same can be said on the other side of the spectrum. We are to support one another and help one another. We go back to the very beginning. That's why God created man and woman to help one another. And so I want to ask you, are you helping your husband? Are you supporting your husband? You think about how much, uh, how big of a task the husband has. I want to tell you that God has called us men to be men and to stand up and, and to be leaders in the home. And you think about how much that comes, how, how many responsibilities and tasks that comes with. It's quite a bit. And so I can tell you from a husband's standpoint that when you support your husband, it is a huge impact. It is a huge help for him. And he will cleave to you and he will love on you because he, he desires that because it's such a big task as the head coach to do all these types of things that God has asked us to do. I want to tell you that the support is a big deal. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand, or two can withstand him. And a three-fourth cold is not quickly broken. I want to tell you that we need to have this teamwork mindset. Wives, you need to have this teamwork mindset. We talked about Priscilla and Aquila. Anytime Priscilla was mentioned, Aquila was mentioned. Because she was a support for her husband. Two are better than one. Now, I believe this passage uh, can refer to different things. Uh, I think that applies to the church as well. It's, it helps to have a brother and sister in Christ to help us. But I believe that God helped us ultimately by giving us our spouse. And so we need to think of uh, this as a family unit, a teamwork mindset. And a lot of times what happens is we start comparing ourselves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse number 12, it says, For we do not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You might view your role as something that's lower, but I want to tell you it is not lower. Do not try to compare your role with your husband's. The husband has his role and he is going to be responsible for the decisions that are made in the house. But I want to tell you that your role and your impact are just as important as his are. And so we must not be comparing our roles to each other. Because each and every one has an impact. I think sometimes we view our spouse 
that women view their spouse as their enemy. Sometimes they view them as their enemy. But I want to tell you, we're not enemies, we're friends. We love each other, we like each other. And so we need to treat each other like that. Remember that the enemy is Satan. And he's trying to destroy your relationship. But your best friend is right beside you and has been there all along. And so let us not compare ourselves, but help one another. I believe encouragement is a big part of support. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. It's important that you look for your husband's desires, your husband's interest. Uh, one of the uh, studies I was a part of uh, before we got married, uh, they talked about how there's a husband and wife unit and how they're helping one another and supporting one another. And uh, I think this is a good example of, of what I'm talking about here. You, know, you might find it a little silly, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. If the husband is working outside, if he's mowing the grass, if he's uh, doing manual labor out there, and you go tell your husband, man, you look really good doing that. That, that puffs up the husband a lot. Now, I don't mean in a bad way. That's a good thing. And I, I know that seems like a silly, silly illustration, but I want to tell you that something that us men desire is the encouragement from our spouse. It means a lot. And so compliment him. Talk to him about uh, different things that he does good. Talk about his past successes. If we truly are men and doing the job that we need to do in this life, there's going to be a lot of stress. There's going to be a lot of anxiety and we're going to get down upon ourselves sometimes. And so it's really important that the wife encourages her husband based on those past successes. I could tell you that there's been decisions that I've made that have been good. And there's been decisions that I've made that have been bad. And it's easy to remember the bad ones. <laughs> it's very easy. And, and to forget the good ones. Encourage your husband. Talk about those good things. Because I'm going to tell you, the husband needs that. Belief in what he's able to accomplish. Belief in what he's uh, capable of doing. You know, you chose your husband for a reason. Because you had faith in him that he would lead you as a godly man. Do you believe in his capabilities to do that? Now, it's hard to, to have belief in that every day because we, we mess up. But do you honestly believe that he's helping you? Because I'm going to tell you, if you tell him that, that I trust you, it's going to help him. It's going to show that you believe in him and his capabilities. And so encourage him in that way. Build him up. Take interest in those things. You know, I enjoy uh, going to Astros games. In fact, I just went to one uh, not too long ago, and they lost. But regardless, I enjoy going to the Astros game. And I like going to the Astros game with the guys from time to time. It's really nice. I enjoy that. But, you know, there's just something about going to an Astros game or, or going to something that I enjoy with my wife. <laughs> you know, it's having your best friend there. Right? And so find out what he likes to do. Obviously, we probably already know what those things are, but join him in those things. You might think it's silly to watch a sports game with him or, or to do something else, whatever his hobby is. But I'm going to tell you that it is really going to help him and it's going to support him the way that God designed us to help one another.
And so I believe that is a big deal. What about service? Service. I want to go back to Proverbs 31 and read a few verses here. Proverbs 31 verses 13 through 24. It says, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers the field and buys it from her profit. She plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. Continuing on, she perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now we look at this and think, wow, this woman does a lot. And she does. She is one that serves her mankind. She's one that serves her husband. I want you to go back here and read. She provides food for her household. She is not afraid of snow for her household. When that is talking about is when the winter time comes, it doesn't matter. She's ready. She's got the, she's got the clothes ready. It's all, it's all good. It's ready. And she also see, we also see in verse number 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This woman is a woman of service. It's a wife of service. And we think about being a housewife, being a homekeeper. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And I want to tell you, if you are that, thank you for doing that. That means a lot. That is scriptural and that is important. But I want to look more about that idea in Titus chapter two and verses four through five. It says uh, that they admonish the young women talking about older women teaching the young woman that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So when we think about this idea of homemaker, uh, just by, you know, obviously common sense, it means working at home, right? And that is definitely a part of it. We saw that in Proverbs that the, the virtuous wife was busy, always working at home. But I want you to notice something. The Greek word comes from oikos and euros, which means a guard or to beware. I want to tell you that being a housewife is much deeper than just fulfilling the duties of washing the dishes and and uh, cooking supper and uh, doing the laundry, all these types of things. It's very important that we do that. I want to I want to mention that. But there's a much deeper concept that I think that we miss and that's being a guard. Now, what does it mean to be a guard as a housewife? What does that mean? What does it mean to beware of those things? I believe what it's talking about is that supporting her husband and guarding her home, guarding it from those things that Satan wants to attack on the house, that Satan wants to attack on the children, whether that be pornography, whether that be something else that is that's a sin. We need to be on guard and beware of those types of things. And so when we're talking about being a, ho- a housekeeper, That's what we're talking about. Now, how in the world does this serve the husband? Can you imagine being a husband without a homekeeper? Can you imagine seeing a husband without a homekeeper? I'm not saying it's not possible. 
But I'm going to tell you that it's very difficult. Because by fulfilling that role, by being on guard and being aware and taking responsibility of the house, it is a huge service to the husband. That way, whenever he comes home, his job is not done, but he doesn't have to worry about all those different types of things. Now, am I saying that it's wrong for a husband to help cook? No, I'm not saying that. But I want to tell you that being a homekeeper is a great service to the husband and something that we should take seriously. I believe there's one other way to serve the husband here. In, Mar- uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now, I'm not going to get uh, too specific here uh, because of uh, where we're at <laughs> in the time we're in. But I believe that it's very important to mention this. It's important that a wife serves her husband in a sexually intimate way. And I believe that this is important to talk about because a lot of times we'll talk about the opposite end. We'll talk about how it's wrong outside of marriage. And that's what the second half of the verse is talking about. But if we never talk about its importance in marriage, then you're going to see relationships suffer. And I want to tell you that this is uh, on both ends of the spectrum. It's important that a husband serve his wife and that a wife also serve her husband. But we understand that God made men and God made women differently, didn't he? You see, God made men with a sexual drive, and that is not a bad thing. Now, how we use it, that's very important. But I want to tell you that God is praised. God is honored when that is taken in marriage. It is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And that needs to be talked about. Because there's all these couples out there that feel bad about doing that. And it's not a bad thing. The marriage bed is undefiled. It is praising God. And so we need to serve one another from this aspect. And so I want to ask you, do you serve your husband in that way? It's important that we do that. In 1 Corinthians 7, it talks more about this. Verses 1 through 3, it says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man to not touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual, sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. Don't you think that if God reserved um, these types of interactions for marriage, that it's important to have in marriage? I would think so. I would know so. You see... When you're in a marriage bond, your body is your spouse's, is what it's saying here. You are to serve your spouse. And by serving your spouse with that, you're ultimately serving God. Now we see women today. We also see men that are not fulfilling this. We see sometimes that they'll say, well, because you didn't do this, we're not doing that. I'm going to withhold because you did this. You think that's a godly attitude to have? Do you think that's what we should be doing in marriage? Absolutely not. Now, I understand we're going to have disagreements. We're going to have different things going on in marriage, but it's important that we serve one another. And I want to tell you that one of the greatest things you can help and serve your husband in is this. I want to look more about this. In 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 4, so the wife does not have authority over her own husband, 
uh, or own body, pardon me, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. In 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. This idea of modesty is important. Because what happens is, if you're going to be immodest, whether you're a man or a woman, you are bringing attention to yourself, and you are not bringing attention to God. Now, the Bible does not clearly say what is necessarily modest and what is necessarily immodest, but I think we would all agree uh, on the extremes. We understand what is modest and modest sometimes in media. And that's what I want to focus on here and what I want to talk about. Listen, give your body to your spouse. Because what happens is, whenever you're choosing to be immodest, you're serving other people. And God never intended for that to happen in that way. God intended marriage to serve to serve your husband, to serve your wife in that way. And it's important that we truly, uh, truly take that to heart because look what the virtuous woman is clothed with. Strength and honor are her clothing. Strength and honor. And so when we're talking about this idea of honesty, we're talking about being clothed with strength and honor. Does that mean you're literally clothed with strength and honor? Not necessarily, but it starts with the heart I want to tell you. It starts with hearts. And if you have a heart after God, and if you have a heart after your husband and wife or your wife, then you will truly be lost. Now, we must not look down upon others ever, because it's wrong to judge. But I want to tell you that whether you believe that it's an inch above the knee uh, to the ankles, let that go. Don't worry about other people. Worry about you and your one. And give yourself to your spouse and serve. Your spouse. And most importantly, uh, it's important to serve your husband spiritually. I believe there's a few things we can do. Number one, pray together. Study the Bible together. Labor together in the church. Pray for him. These things are important to us because he knows that he has a companion right beside him, serving him all, all along. And that ultimately his goal is for him to go to heaven and for his wife to. And so serve your husband spiritually. Find out those ways. These are just a few things. But we need to study the Bible together. Pray for him. Pray for him to, to be a godly husband. Pray for yourself to submit to him. And these types of things. The last thing I want to talk about is speech. Speech. In Proverbs 31 verse 26, it says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. The virtuous woman. The virtuous wife is a wife that when she opens her mouth, it's wisdom and it's kindness towards her husband. Now, I don't know how often uh, you have communication in your home. Let me talk about communication. But it's very important that we communicate with each other. And it's important how we communicate with each other in terms of listening, in terms of being kind. And a lot of times when I think about it from a uh, a spouse standpoint, I know a big turnoff for a spouse is going to be the harsh words, the anger. I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 15. In Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools 
pours forth foolishness. Yes, uh, men have a problem with it. It's not, it's not easy to, uh, to put that into a race sometimes. And I'm going to tell you, us men need to work on that. But I can tell you the times in my life where I've been angry, and a cable that comes and holds my hand and says, it's going to be all right. It helps. It is, it's weird that sounds just like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't want to get in that situation. Sometimes it's good to remove ourselves from the situation. But I want to tell you that a soft answer, that kindness, that wisdom, that communication is going to help. And it needs to be open communication in the home. We need to talk with one another. It's good to text and, and all these other types of things that we have today, but make time to talk to each other. It's not good enough to just say good morning. It's not good enough to just say good night. We are husband and wife. Now I understand when you, uh, well I say I understand, I don't have kids. When you have kids, that time is, is, is difficult to have to sit down and talk to yourselves. But remember, who gave you that shot? Remember, the family team together and to talk to each other. It's important to do that. There's an article uh, that Dave Ramsey uh, had, had written, Ramsey Solutions. This article is, why are couples fighting about money? I don't know if you've ever considered that, uh, why that happens. But I want to look at this idea a little bit further, and I will show that this is a 100% concept. Why are couples fighting about money? You know, almost half, 47% respondents with consumer debt say their level of debt creates stress and anxiety. 60% of those with consumer debt say that they worry about finances monthly, and one in four say they worry about finances every day. Now, it would be foolish to ignore this, because I'm going to tell you, Finances are a big deal. Whether you're a saver, whether you're a spender, it doesn't matter. It's going to create stress and anxiety if not properly managed. It's evidence. And so that's why it's important to talk about finances. So why are couples fighting about money? Money is the number one issue married couples argue about and is the second leading cause of divorce behind infidelity. Now, if that doesn't strike you, I don't know what will. Now, obviously, we think about infidelity, and that's wrong. But I want to tell you that finances are going to cause stress. They're going to cause anxiety. So we need to talk about money. We need to talk about what our plan is going forward and address this on a biblical standpoint. It's important to do that. The higher a couple's debt burden, the more likely they are to argue about money is what the stats show. Couples in a healthy Healthy marriages are much more likely to talk about their money dreams and make long-term money goals. You see, what a lot of times happens is they want to brush finances under the rug. But I'm going to tell you that rug is going to be removed one day. And that finance that you brushed under there is going to show. And it's going to cause stress. It's going to cause anxiety. And it could likely hurt your relationship. And that's why we need to talk about these things from a godly standpoint, from a selfless standpoint. And address it at all. Why are couples fighting about money? I want you to notice something here. Couples in healthy marriages talk about money more. 
The 54% that said that their, their marriage is great talk daily or weekly with spouse about money. Does that mean that you put money on a pedestal and everything's about money? That's not what it's talking about. Because if you never talk about money, the 29% say that they're okay or, or any crisis marriages. And I'm not going to get into all the, the specifics of that because that's not what we're here to do. But I want to tell you that money is important. And if that is the second leading cause of divorce, then we need to talk about that. We need to address this. And we need to see what the godly response is. One in three people, one in three of those who argue with their spouse about money, confess that they have hit purchases from their spouse. Now that's a big deal. That's a problem. I'm not sure if that's you tonight, but I want to show you something else. Americans who say money is a top issue, they fight about with their spouse. I want you to notice something. That as the debt level increases, as it gets closer and closer to 50%, the fights increase. The arguments increase. Now, I have a loan. I have students. And so I'm not going to tell you that you should never get a loan. I'm not going to tell you that. But I am going to tell you that if we're not willing to talk about finances, and we're just going to go to the easy route and always get alone and think that's going to solve all of our problems, we've been widely mistaken. We need to talk to each other about our finances, not high purchases from each other, but talk about what the plan is and have a plan going forward. Look what Proverbs 22 verse 7 says. It says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. This is a biblical concept. It's a biblical concept. Money is not the end all be all in life. But interestingly enough, it is the second cause of divorce. Does that mean you should just say, well, just don't get divorced? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying whether you should or not. That's not what we're talking about here tonight. The, the thing we're talking about here tonight is how to solve this. How do you solve this? Why are couples fighting about money? It's because they're not willing to talk about it and take action. That's the reason. Now, how does this apply to a wife and her spouse. Something that was communicated to me in, in marriage counseling was, you know, women are a lot more stressed out about finances than men. And you might find, that, you know, there might be a few outliers in there uh, from time to time, but generally that's the case. And so if you have an insecurity with that, if you have anxiety because of the financial situation that you're in tonight, I want to tell you the most important thing to do is to pray about it, number one, and number two, to talk to your husband about it. Because I'm going to tell you, 10 years down the road, when that, when that rug is swept up under her again, it's not going to happen. It needs to be talked about. And so if you are a wife tonight, and you have a husband, I want to encourage you to talk about your finances. We're not here to talk about finances tonight, but I'm going to tell you that it's important to do that. Have a relationship centered around God and His Word and communication. These are the four things that we've talked about tonight. Submission, support, service, and speech. But I want to go back to that ruby that we talked about. Husbands, if you have a wife that is a godly woman, praise God for her. Praise God. Because that ruby is even more precious than rubies. But praise God for her and treat her like she is your ruby. And wives... Be that ruby for your husband. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be that ruby for your husband, hopefully 
that will convict me to come to Jesus and, and be a better husband. But ultimately, you are serving God and bringing glory and honor to Him. Proverbs 31, verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous wife for her part of? Uh, Pardon me for her worth is far above rubies. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, when he praises her. Verse 29. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. I think the thing that we all want at the end of the day for our relationship is to be old together with our spouse. And when we're about to die on our deathbed, to say, I love you, and to say that we've done the best we could do. I think that's all what we want, isn't it? In our relationships. And I hope that's what you want. Because I'm going to tell you, beauty is deceitful. Our bodies are going to get wrinkles. Very new may get a new body one day. But I'm going to tell you the one thing that lasts forever is the love. It's the love. It's the service. Those types of things that we've been talking about tonight. That's what matters. Be that virtuous woman. Be that excellent. Love your husband. And I'm going to tell you, you will be blessed by your husband. And husbands, remember. Treat your wife as that precious ruby that you love and that you adore. Because ultimately, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waiteth but in vain. The best way is the Lord's way, always. Serve your husband, serve your wife. Because without that, we're not doing it the Lord's way. If you have a need tonight, whether you'd like to become a child of God, or requested the prayers of the church, we offer this invitation. Maybe you haven't been the spouse that you need to be. I can tell you that I have not been the spouse that I need to be every day of my life. But maybe you request the prayers of the church to help you in this. Maybe you are in a bad relationship with your spouse. I want to tell you that it's not too late. That you can help. That God ultimately can help. Because he's the one that builds the house. He's the instructor. He's the designer. Let us go to him in prayer and ask for his help in these types of things. And maybe you haven't become a child of God and you'd like to take that step tonight. Whatever it may be, please come have a seat on the front row as we stand and sing a song of invitation.